This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. From baseball's top personalities. The Hall of Famer, one of the great TV broadcasters, Bob Costas is here on A's Cast Live. To the A's legendary players. Five-time Major League Baseball home run champ, Mark McGuire is with us here. You never know what stories you're going to hear. We used to come out here to lunch and run with our shirts off. <laughs> you would say. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Time now for another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. We've got a three-time World Series champion, Bobby Evans, baseball executive, stopping by. The pitching ninja, Rob Friedman. We'll talk a little pitching. Love the ninja. And then our all-time favorite, the great Sarah Langs from MLB.com. This is post-World Series. We'll get her thoughts on the Astros and the Phillies. But we'll start with the former GM and a three-time World Series champion with the Giants, Bobby Evans. I'm sure Bobby Evans is going to agree with me. During during the football season, I'm trying to sell my AL Cy Young Award winners on RA9 War and a opposition ex-WOBA. Bobby, how am I going to sell our great game of baseball? They're talking touchdowns and interceptions and scores, and I'm talking RA9 War to the public. How are you, my friend? Hey, it's great to see you. A lot of great A's, A's paraphernalia there. How do you like this? This is our new setup here in the whole. This is our little A's studio. It's impressive. I like it. You guys look like you're ready to go. You look like Coliseum left. <laughs> we got the Coliseum, Ricky Henderson Field in the background. We've uh, we've stepped our game up. So how have you been? It's been a while since we last talked to you. Uh, doing great. Doing great. Uh, staying busy with uh, a lot of activity. You know, three kids, two in high school now, one a senior, one a freshman, and a and a young elementary school student. So we've got a couple of sports going for each of them at all times. So it's uh, it's nonstop and uh, following the free agent market, following these uh, team opening. Uh, really anxious to see uh, how the off season is going to go. It's uh, it's nice to have a normal off season. We don't have to worry about a CBA. Yeah, you know, we just talked about that with our broadcaster Vince Catronio. You know. Um... Last year with the lockout, it seemed like right after the lockout, for certain teams, you know, we all fish in different ponds. Like, there's the big pond that has all the star players, the big money players. And then you got the smaller pond that's got good players, but it's a much smaller pond, and they're not making the same amount of money. And that's usually where the A's make their hay, and there's a lot of other teams who make their hay in that pond. But that pond seemed like, you know, with the lockout, that it was shut down, and it was tough to really find players in such a quick time for last year, which I'm now happy we're back to everybody can fish wherever the heck they want. <laughs> right, right. Well, those are the guys you're trying to find with high upside that, you know, that might take a one-year deal that, you know, less risk for the club, but perhaps some high upside and get maybe some injuries have held them back or maybe they, uh, you know, their value is down for whatever reason. And, 
you know, you bring your system, your manager, your coaching staff, your philosophy uh, into their game, and maybe it's a game changer. And so that's one of the reasons that's very attractive for a lot of clubs, including, you know, some high market clubs, but the, you know, they don't always have the opportunities. And so the, the smaller market clubs actually have opportunities to give those guys, and that's where they can take advantage of it. We're kind of seeing a sea change. I don't know how much it's going to change back, but we're hearing about organizations saying, you know what, we really need to blend this, the analytics with scouting. We kind of kicked a little bit of the scouting to the curb. Now we're bringing it back. We're seeing the old school managers. Obviously, look at the two men that were in the World Series. You know Dusty Baker real well. Your old manager that you won World Series with, Bruce Bochy, back in the game in Texas. So they tried to all go young, all go analytics, front offices and managers. Now we're seeing experience, maturity come back, leaders of men. First off, what would you think about Boch returning to Texas? Yeah, I mean, it was great timing. I mean, you've got a chance to play. Uh, or man, or manage for a, a guy that used to uh, used to play for you and Chris Young and you know it's a great fit. I mean, it's the only guy I think in baseball that could make Bruce Bochy look small in a press conference. Um, <laughs> you know, being that he's he's a, he's Chris is a large man, um, but I think it's great. I mean, Bochy has been very close to all of his general managers over the years. He's had a very good, good and close relationship, a long time with Kevin Towers there in San Diego, and then of course Brian with the Giants, and now to have see why i mean that's just that's great for boach and i know that he's hungry i mean sitting out the last you know what three years uh you know he's hungry to get back he missed it um you know i think he he's tasted that success and you have a team now that's got you know they got some ramp up to do i mean they, they've added some good guys last off season but it didn't go well uh so now they are here they are trying to add again really on the pitching side in hopes that they can put themselves over the top you know, to me, so many times I really learned this from Bob Melvin, and obviously we've seen Melvin have the continued success wherever he goes now in San Diego. There is just something about relationships. It's handling the men. There's a lot of things going on inside the clubhouse. Guys have issues away from the field, whether it's, you know, marriage, kids, girlfriends, uh, parents, health of family members. There's always something going on. And what people, as we got so into this world of analytics and that's all that matters, people forget you got, it's like any business. It doesn't matter if you're in baseball or if you're in tech or you're in finance, you still have to manage the people. People need to be managed. Are we now getting back to that in our game going, the personal touch does matter? Well, no question. I mean, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's all about communicating with your players. It's building that trust, uh, you know, and I think that the managers who have, you know, been successful, you know, even in, even whether they're more, you know, analytically focused or not, it, it ultimately comes down to relationship with the players and, you know, building that trust and, and nobody better at it than a, a Dusty Baker and a Bruce Bochy. And, you know, these guys understand, you know, that players have lives away from the field and, they care about their guys. Uh, you know, they, they, they communicate with them in terms of whether they're getting off days or not getting off days, uh, what their role will be. Uh, there's the manager's given a chance to manage. I mean, you know, definitely front office, definitely front offices need to partner with their manager to make sure that the best information is available, but you put a manager in a position because you, you trust him to manage. And I think that we're seeing the fruits of that with some of the success that some of these clubs have had where they're not dictating every move that a manager makes. 
We're going to have Joe Madden on Friday. He's got a new book out with Tom Verducci of Sports Illustrated yeah. where, you know, he's talking a lot about, hey, you know, there's balance. I mean, balance, as we all know in life, is a good thing. And when I think of balance, I think about your guys' great tenure in San Francisco. Obviously, you have three championship rings. Brian Sabian, there's a good chance that someday he'll go into the Baseball Hall of Fame as an executive. All the success that you've had in your illustrious career as a general manager and as an assistant general manager. How did you guys deal with scouting, analytics, the answers to the questions, balance in the organization how did you guys go about it well we made sure that every everybody had you know an understanding that their voice mattered and uh that their perception or perspective mattered uh but you know brian wanted to always emphasize that you know this is a this is a, about the players uh, ultimately what they're able to do on the field and we don't want uh, our process or our systems or our analysis to be the focal point of what we achieve. We want to make sure it's ultimately about what the players achieve on the field, that they're on the field for a reason, uh, not because they're a number, not because they represent a certain percentage of on base or, or, or anything else. They want to make sure that it's, uh, they understand that we believe in them, the manager believes in them. And he didn't want to you know, talk a lot about our process and system. He wanted to talk a lot about players and make sure they were the focus. So when we won championships, that was the focus, not, not us in the front office, not anything we were doing because ultimately those are the guys making it happen. That's interesting. You say that, you know, I just watched the, uh, the last dance with the Michael Jordan documentary and about the, their last shot at winning that last title. And it really was Jerry Krause general manager of the bulls who really felt slighted that, all of the attention went to Michael Jordan. All the attention went to this guy, or it went to Phil Jackson. And that was kind of like when we started seeing in the 90s where, and I think we do see it today, where there's front office people who want to go, hey, don't forget about me. Look at me. Look at my decisions. Look at my draft picks. Look at my signings. I'm a big reason. And, yes, front office people are a big reason. But you guys did such a great job of saying, hey, it's the players who win the championship. But have you seen a little bit of a change? And obviously, I think Billy Bean and Moneyball, a lot of these young guys saw that. They read the book. They saw the movie. They went, I want to be like that guy. Have you seen a little bit to where front office people these days want to be celebrities? Well, I mean, the contracts that, that are being handed out, you know, almost put, forced them into a celebrity role. I mean, they become the face more of the franchise than sometimes the players themselves, just because of the, the size of the contracts that are being handed out. And, you know, I, I, I think there's, there's accountability, uh, you know, on all fronts for that. I mean, some of it is, you know, ownerships are really, are really driving, you know, putting the, the, the face of the franchise, the president out there more and taking, uh, let's take more of the, the baseball side of it and not as much the, you know, the ownership. And we, you know, some owners are very silent in some cities, which I think is a shame for the players. I think owners need to be, you know, interacting and engaged with their team and not not taking a backseat to anybody. Um, but I, I do see it. I mean, you, you know, and some of that's the media drawing attention to the philosophies that have worked and the, the strategies that have been against the grain that have been successful. And it does point cameras at those executives. And I'm not sure that they're desiring that attention, but it's it's a natural effect as as their unique philosophies uh, have success now 
I think about your career, and as you said, you're busy with the kids and everything. I knew, I know you do consulting, and we'll talk about Egyptian baseball coming up here, which is always fascinating. But in the in the climate of today's front office, is this something? I mean, you got three World Series rings. Is this something that you would like to get back into? Oh yeah, I mean, you know, similar to Boach. I mean, it's it's great to look back on what we've accomplished, but it's it's very important to accomplish the next great feat. And, you know, so I, I love interacting with uh, executives in the game, some players in the game, you know, some agents in the game, you know, coaches and managers and, and following the game, you know, whether it be through local radio, TV, MLB network. I mean, it's, it's still a passion and the right situation has to come along. I mean, we are very attached to the Bay area, so it has to be the right situation, but yeah, you, you line up a, an opportunity. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in, I'm in. Well, I mean, the experience and the resume says it all for you, and uh, a, a franchise definitely w- would be lucky to have you. And I, I think about, you know, the winter meetings coming up. There's going to be a, a lot of big moves made. Uh, like, like when you think about Aaron Judge, you know, everybody, everybody right now is saying they're all in. We don't know the amount of years. We don't know the price tag. We don't know how that is going to work, but – what is that like from a front office standpoint where you have one player who's really setting the market, he's the marquee guy, and you know you want him, but you know a lot of other people want him. What are those negotiations like? Yeah, you, you hear a lot of the things that you want to hear from the agents, but you, you really don't know the bottom line or the bottom truth. I mean, you know, I remember, you know, we took a, a group of us, Bruce Bochy and Brian Sabian and myself, Larry Bear, Buster Posey, all to John Lester's house, you know, in Atlanta, across the country, trying to recruit him to come and, and pitch for us. But, you know, it takes, you know, one relationship, maybe one key relationship in Chicago, i.e., you know, Theo Epstein, Jed Hoyer, you know, former executives with the Red Sox, the new Lester best, you know, one relationship, though, can, can swing a guy. And, you know, when you're talking about an Aaron Judge, you're, you're talking about pinstripes, you're talking about legacy, Roger Maris, Yankee Stadium, the difference between Yankee Stadium and, and Oracle Park. So you know you have a hill to climb, and, you you know, you're going to put all, pull out all the stops to try to, to lure him to you, but there's, you know, he's 31 years old. There's only so many years you want to put on a contract. There's only so much of an AAV you want to put on a contract, and you already know that the Yankees are interested in, in bringing the legacy back, and so... Uh, you know, you're going to be prepared for second and third options, but you're going to pursue hard that first option as long as you can without giving up on the others. Do you really want to get it done before the winter meetings and before the circus starts in San Diego? Or is that something that probably most of these teams are just, hey, we're going to have to try and get this thing done once we get to uh, San Diego? Yeah, I mean, the clubs, unfortunately, just can't dictate it. I mean, the, the – the agent, you know, is is building a market. Uh, he's 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 getting a lot of uh, information from clubs, a lot of uh, data points, and you know they're going to have to determine the the pace. Um, you know, we try to provide the destination; they give us the sense of timing, and uh, sometimes that works to the club's advantage, and sometimes it doesn't because you know if other guys are going off the board, it can really pull and, and tug at you in terms of what you, what you're going to get done. If you, if you stay too focused on one guy. And um, my sense is we've seen, you know, some of these offers be substantial enough that, you know, uh, get it, deals were getting done before the winter meetings uh, in, in recent years. Uh, this may be a year where it's a little slower, 
it seems like I'm hearing that the, the clubs are, are ready to spend. And if they're ready to spend, I would think that there's a chance more deals will get done either at the winter meetings or a little before. If you're running the Angels and you knew Shohei Otani makes you millions upon millions of dollars in advertising from Japan and all the money he brings in, merchandise, I mean, he is just an absolute cash cow for the Angels. But what if somebody above you says, we got to trade him? How tough would that be to get value for not only the player, but what he brings in from a monetary standpoint, and then now you're just getting minor league players for him? Yeah, I mean, it's breaking as a baseball guy to, to see talent like that go out the door. And, and you really you really want to be in a position where someone has to overwhelm you uh, because, I mean, he's a guy to build your future on, you know, both sides of the ball, you know, pitching and, and offense. And so it's such a unique talent. I mean, you know, despite all of what he brings in in terms of revenue and fan interest, you know, what he means to a ball club and that clubhouse, the way he goes about his job, he's, he's young, he's got so much potential for the future. Uh, you've got him for a long time if you can lock him up. And, you know, he brings, he brings it every day. He brings a great attitude. He's a, he's a presence, you know, in your lineup, he's a presence in your rotation. That's very hard to replace on a, from the baseball side. So you really want to be in a position where you're not forced to, to deal them. Uh, but you, you do, you do sometimes get in a position where if, if there is an openness to making a move or you're not planning to re-sign them, that you try to get as much, much in return as you can, that ultimately would overwhelm you. But I, I don't know how you could get enough, uh, to be honest, it's, it'd be a very tough, a tough sell. Well, back in 2019, we had you on the show down in San Diego at the Manchester High at the winter meetings, and we learned about Egyptian baseball. Fascinating. And as we talked about then, I'm sure we're going to talk about now, at some point we're going to see some of these kids. We don't know when, but they'll make it to Major League Baseball. I know COVID shut the world down. I don't know how it may be. Pause it for a little bit. Where are we now? Well, yeah, when it, when it started in 2017, I think we had maybe 40 children uh, in, in Egypt. I mean, this is an effort to bring uh, baseball to the Middle East, really through youth baseball, where a lot of the major league efforts are more generating, you know, the, the higher uh, sort of world baseball classic level, if you will, uh, where this is much more of a youth effort. And, and baseball partnered with us this, this past um a year to to bring an event to Egypt where we were able to reintroduce uh, our programs post COVID and you know just before COVID we were up to 2,500 kids in Egypt playing baseball and you know we really like to see that you know double or more in 2023 uh, we've gotten some you know some participation from Major League Baseball even you know Corey Guerin from the from the Giants uh, previously you know went over with us this past past year uh, was able to get an exposure to the, the kind of enthusiasm that we're seeing. Um, we understand it's rudimentary. There's, there's a lot of work to do, um, but they're working with us in their phys ed class, classes in the local schools. They're working with us through clinics, working through teaching the coaches to coach the game. And there's some good, some good athletes over there. So it's a lot of fun. I mean, especially knowing that this is just the beginning. Um, and uh, the passion is to make sure that there's a, you know, there's a common language between, you know, the Middle East and the West. And here we are, you know, using baseball to be that common language. 
It's fascinating, and a lot of people need to understand, you know, a, a game that's played around the world is cricket, and there's some guys that absolutely can wing it in cricket. And you just wonder, can we translate that? Can I mean, because clearly these cricket players, you know, it's kind of like what I know Billy Bean has talked about. He's like, you know, some of these guys that he's watching in Europe play soccer, like the body types, these guys could be receivers, safeties in football with their speed and their size. I mean, do you see like what you see over cricket going, man, look at some of these guys, they can make great baseball players. Yeah. I mean, we're working with kids that are kind of, uh, you know, not quite maybe a few teenagers, but a lot of 12 and under kids. And yeah, I mean, you, you see athleticism. I mean, that's what you, you know, that's what, you, what excites you. I mean, they're picking up, you know, how to throw a ball and how to catch the ball and how to hit the ball in such a short time. And they don't, it's not like they see the game a ton. So, yeah, I mean, you feel like you've got a good uh, uh, assortment of athletes. And, and there's a lot of you know, young women, young girls interested in playing, too. In fact, in fact, I sometimes feel like the young girls are is, is interested or even more interested than some of the boys. I think some of the boys see, you know, this game's hard. Let me go back to soccer, you know. And um, But, you know, we're seeing a lot of interest. And I think that the, uh, you know, the fun part for us is just that parents, you know, are really engaged, too. I mean, the parents – are getting out on the field and taking ground balls and, and learning the game themselves so they can play with their kids. And I had one dad come up to me in Egypt this past year, um, earlier this year. And he said, you know, do you know what happened to my son after, after you guys were here last time? And I was like, no, tell me. He's like, well, you know, we bought RBI baseball on our PS4 and he's been playing have setting up his own team. And He's, he's bought the MLB package and he's watching games and he's a, he's a, he's a, he's an absolute baseball nut now. And he's like, this was just from you guys coming over, you know, just before the pandemic. And, you know, it's, I think that, you know, I, I was, I was actually speaking with um, uh, Dave Cavill with the Cabal with the A's. And he said, you know, he feels like youth baseball is probably a great place to, to really push the game. And we, we'd spend a lot of time working with older kids, but really he, he would love to see us do more internationally with youth baseball because, you know, kids can, you know, take this game and run with it. And, and you know, and I know they're doing some of that in, in the basics of the, even San Francisco, but I think more and more doing youth baseball efforts are, are probably the best thing for our game. Yeah. I got to tell you, I know people try and bag on baseball, but when you look at diversity inside our game and how people are from all over the world playing our game, I mean, we were just talking about one of our top players is from Japan. I mean, we have people from all over the world, and what you guys are doing, you're planting that seed that's just going to continue to grow and grow and grow, and hopefully in our careers we'll see our game even grow more globally. But people do forget all the Australian guys that we got. I mean, we've had quite a few of them here with the A's. Yeah. We've had yeah. players from all over the world playing our game. Well, that's why that's why it's a World Series. I mean, it's not a World Series because we're playing other nations or other countries. We're playing with the best players from all those nations, and that's why it's a World Series. Great stuff. I'm sure we're going to see you in San Diego, right? I hope so. That'd be great. I love it. Hey, we always appreciate the time. You be well. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Thank you, guys. My pleasure. Great. Bobby Evans joined us right here on A's Cast Live, three-time World Series champion. I don't know when it's going to happen, but Bobby will be working for another franchise soon. But, of course, as he said, it's got to be the right fit. Well, this guy has just become a star. Whether it's on Twitter, now working for Fox Sports, everybody loves him, the pitching ninja. Well, you know, I I got to tell you, we sit here 
And, you know, the one thing that we loved was here we were, this friendship with, with, with somebody that was doing some incredible things, the merch. I mean, he had the identity. I mean, the Pitching Ninja was like the coolest thing. We loved to have him on the show. We wear the shirts. He was this new, fresh thing. I didn't know he'd go Hollywood. I didn't know that he'd go mainstream and that he would sell out on, on his fans to become. He's dry, I mean, he's like Ric Flair. It's limo, limos and Learjets and Fox Sports. He's like he's like A-Rod now, probably going to be wearing a mink coat when he's on. He's writing, but uh, congratulations. I mean, you went from being the coolest guy ever to now you are mainstream media. How does it feel? Dude, I feel overexposed when you put it that way. <laughs> My God. <laughs> I have no idea how this even happened. This I is mean, FoxSports.com? I mean, you are, I mean, you went from the coolest thing on Twitter to being like, I mean, you're no different than like Tom Verducci now. I know. That's ridiculous, isn't it? Like, I still feel the same. Like, I am still, I'm still sympathetic to the little guy. Like, that's, I am the little guy, by God. That's what, I will never change. That's what Britney Spears said. She said she'd never change, <laughs> and look what happened. They always say they're never going to change. You're not going to answer our phone calls. You're not going to know anybody. Next thing you know, you're going to be doing NFL, and the whole thing will be different. That's true. It's QB Ninja. What can I do there? (laughs) We got this. You're going to be on like the Fox pregame going, Tom Brady's got to retire. He's got to go. Oh, yeah. I'm looking at the velocity of the ball. My God. (laughs) Uh, Great piece, though. Loved it. Uh, Christian Javier. It's so interesting. We were just talking about it, and it's so perfect to have you on, is you can have two different guys in two different nights, right? You can have Lance McCullers, who throws 94, and you can have Christian Javier throw 94. One guy doesn't scare anybody, and he's even scared of his fastball against left-handers, and the same guy throwing the same velocity is shoving it down their throats. Isn't it amazing? Velocity of the same, obviously mechanics, how hitters see it is all different, but two different guys, same velocity, two different outcomes. Oh, absolutely. Lance is a big, you know, off-speed stuff guy, and and Javier is huge on his fastball. What did he throw? 72% yeah. fastballs yesterday and shoved, and, you know, he doesn't throw particularly hard. You're exactly right. It's it's all about attack angles and how your spin is, is helping your fastball move, and some of it is just funk in your delivery, too. All that combines to make a pitcher nasty. Yeah, the one thing that I think about Javier, and actually Smoltz got a little bit into it. They don't allow him to get too much into stuff. I wish they would because it it make the, the, the broadcast more interesting. We're normally, as pitchers, you're seeing guys that are here and then come here. But when you bring your glove out here, that's the first thing that a hitter is going to see. When the guy's coming down the mound, the glove is the first thing you see. And then normally a guy comes from up top, but that's not where Javier comes from. He's more, I wouldn't say a slinger, but he's kind of that three quarters. You talk about it in the article. That's got to be tough. Glove here, ball coming here, far different than a traditional way up here. So the key to pitching is do the hitters see you or not? And I think that's a big thing. Hitters just don't see this guy. I totally agree with you. And I think we get so focused sometimes on either spin rate or velocity or whatever it is, things that we can measure. The things we can't measure a lot of times are this is this deception. Like, is there funk in your mechanics that a hitter just can't pick it up? That is absolutely valuable. 
And we are starting to see people being judged by their arm slot and how the ball pitch actually carries and stuff out of it. But you're right. Like if, if your glove is hiding it somehow, if a look at Nestor, like Nestor Cortez has all these different arm slots, all this different funk that hitters just aren't used to. And because they're not used to it, it throws people off. So absolutely. And I think that, again, we get too because we have the analytics, we get married to them. And I don't I mean, I'm obviously not anti-analytics. I'm pro-analytics, but yeah. it's not the be all and end all of anything. There's a ton of stuff, even mental game stuff. You saw him meditating in the middle of the game. I think that's important as well. Oh, I could tell you routine, routine, routine as someone who pitched a little bit in college. And then now I'm really trying to take my golf game to the next level. I've been reading these books about sports psychology. And the number one thing that you see in all sports is routine. You take guys out of their road routine, they struggle. Hitters have routines, pitchers have routines, golfers, football players. I worked in the NFL for years. Pre-game routine for NFL teams is so key. And you talk about that, the mental side for pitching. And, you know, when you're pitching in the World Series, it's so different because you now know that everybody's got a quick hook. It's just not your manager. It's not your pitching coach. I mean, it's the broadcasters. It's the media. It's a, I mean, you give up one hit and everybody's like, is the bullpen getting up? I mean, as a starting pitcher, you've got to know you don't have a long leash out there. That's a change in your routine. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you saw what happened to Nola yesterday. Get loads the bases. He was dealing. And then all of a sudden he's gone. And, you know, granted, they put in Alvarado, who is a filthy, filthy dude. And you saw what happened, but I, you know, Alvarado's great. I'm, you know, but it's, it's one of those things that as a pitcher, it's a whole different environment. Not only that, but just think you have the smartest people in the world trying to pick apart your delivery, looking for tips, looking for little things they can pick up tendencies, little things they can pick up on. And they have cameras everywhere. You have cameras in the stadium. It's, and they have time to focus on in the regular season. You really don't because you're on to the next game, the next game, the next game. This is all about, you know, preparation and how hitters prepare for an individual pitcher. And things may get exposed that weren't exposed in a regular season. You know, when you're breaking down pitches, everybody wants to focus on what the ball does when it leaves the hand, right? Tunneling, what does it look like? The fastball, two-seamer, four-seamer, you know, split, slider, whatever. But a lot of what happens from the ball leaving the hand is what it, what you do mechanically before the ball leaves the hand. How much do you focus on that? And that gets back to Javier where the glove comes up and a lot of things like that. I try to focus on everything. I think when you simplify pitching too much people, I think it's unfair. I think it's unfair to the pitcher. It's unfair to the game and it's unfair to fans. Like I think that everybody should try to understand as much as they can what hitters have to deal with, what pitchers have to deal with, and what makes folks successful. So I focus on all of that. Like, you know, the other day, just trying to pick up if someone's tipping pitches or not. There's so many different things. And we only, we're limited in views to their broadcast view. There are other views that may tell you more when, you know, a pitcher's fo focusing on home plate. You may see, I think I tweeted that Randy Johnson article where he was fanning his glove when he was throwing his slider and then scrunching it when he was throwing his fastball, cause he's like muscling up. These are things that you maybe can't see from the center field view that you can see from the home plate view. So, you know, all this stuff matters. Everything matters. And this sport is really, really tough. 
Um, so that's what I try to show. You know, everybody loves the tunneling and the overlay videos, but there's way more to baseball and way more to pitching than just that. Here's my answer to tipping pitches. All right, you ready? The number one tipper of pitches in the history of baseball is the only guy that got every vote to get into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Mariano Rivera told everybody, I got one pitch, this is what I'm throwing, and I'm throwing it every single pitch. So when he would come together and put his hand into his glove, however you'd move it, it was the same every time because you knew a cutter was coming. Oh, he, totally. There, there, he didn't throw anything else. You go, you go through – like you could go through a full season, he randomly would throw a straight fastball. He threw cutter almost 100% of the time. If that's not tipping pitches, I don't know what is. He actually said he, he might as well have told you a cutter was coming because that was what's going to happen. He did everything but that and still ended up being the greatest reliever, of, greatest closer of all time. Um, yeah, that's a whole different animal. And, you know, Randy Johnson, I'm sure I'm sure Eduardo Perez wasn't the only one to pick up on him tipping pitches. When you throw 99, 100 miles an hour with a wicked slider and you're six foot ten, it's going to leave a mark like you can tell me it's coming. Doesn't really matter. Oh, yeah, because not only get back to the camera, Randy's coming down the mound. at six, So I don't even know if we actually got the tape measure out by the time his right foot plants. Remember, he's coming from the side. Yeah. Like, you can't even see my hand in the camera angle here. He's coming from the side. By the time he releases the ball, how close was he to home plate? Was it six? <laughs> was it 60 feet, six inches? I don't – like, he he would absolutely scare the living I, – I can't even imagine being a left-handed hitter hitting against that. Or a right – like, I can't even imagine getting a box against that dude. Just snarling – with that weird release, like you don't see every day and just, and slinging it. Um, yeah, that's a whole different beast. And he could have absolutely glove signed his pitches and it wouldn't have mattered. Have you broke down any of Ver Verlander lately? I, well, I mean, I've looked at him. He just, I mean, he, he's obviously not as sharp as he was at points during the season. Um, I'm hoping he bounces back today. I, I, you know, I love watching him pitch. I love watching guys like him. You know, he's 90-something years old and still throwing, like, touching 99 every <laughs> yeah. once in a while. It's always fun. Like, I, you know, he's he's a legend, and I want to see him go out big. But he clearly isn't as sharp as he had been at points. I'm looking I'm looking for him to fix it. I couldn't tell if there's anything particular other than just missing his spots. It's just hard to tell. Yeah, because I, I just looking at the numbers, just easy numbers, like curveball and slider this postseason – batting average against it way up extra base hits way up versus the regular season. So something's going on that hitters are seeing something that's different from the regular season. And that's, what I was just wondering because yeah, it is kind of tough because you look at the numbers and it's, it's shocking to think how hittable he's been different decades of Verlander. I mean, we're going to go back to Verlander in his prime as a young man now to 39, just in the World Series, major struggles. Yeah, and and I don't know if it's a matter of hitters preparing better against him, him not being as sharp. It could be a variety of things. As we mentioned, pitching is so complicated and the game is so complicated. Little things might be a big difference. Um, with him, it's really hard to tell, but I may go back and compare what he's looking like now, just like a simple overlay or just yeah. breaking down different parts of his mechanics to see if it's anything mechanical. I'm sure the Astros have done that as well. Like 
they're as you know they're, they're as good as anybody at picking this stuff apart. And oh, by the way, the hitters get paid too. Sometimes yeah, you got to give them credit too. Totally. Like I think we forget this part. Like you could throw the best pitch, and it and it may get absolutely crushed. Um, or you can throw a bad pitch and a hitter, you can throw a backup slider hitter, you know, or a hanging curveball, and a hitter swings and misses because it, it just threw their timing off. So there's so much more to getting a hitter out or they just miss it. I mean, you, you know, you think about golf, you just miss it. The ball's in the trees. Same thing with, you know, with, with baseball, you just miss it. The ball's a pop up or a ground out versus a home run. So it's a, it's a tough sport and it's so it's dependent on so many different things. You're right. Your club face is just a little open, a little closed. Uh, quarterback throws it just a little high. It hits off the fingertips, and the DB intercepts it below. The field goal is just missed. I mean, everything, it's it, it, the precision in professional sports and the lack thereof, man, I mean, the greatness versus when it doesn't work out, it's such a small – I mean, McCullers, he was hanging everything. You just – you look at the box. All those balls were right – in hit me range and you put in the article how so many hitters they don't have major uppercuts but they've got a little up and if you throw down in the middle of the zone righty lefty you name it that's the happy zone that's where these guys are going to put their numbers on the back as Cody likes to say the baseball card oh absolutely like there's so many different things it could be you know you could be tipping your pitches and hanging pitches at the same time does it matter (laughs) like if you're hanging pitches does it matter (laughs) yeah i mean it's it's totally true although i did run a stat this is interesting of pitches i believe it was 101.7 miles an hour or above in the last like three years middle middle hitters have zero hits against that and there is not an you know it's not just ones or twos there's a number of those pitches. So that's weird where you hear hitters can time a bullet, but yet like, like that's when you're getting around 102, you can do anything with that pitch and, you know, throw it located almost anywhere. And you're going to get, you're going to be pretty successful on that. Yeah. People just understand, you know, you, you try and it's hard to explain. And that's where our game I think goes next is neuroscience. This is the brain. This is your eyes your eye, your your brain sees it through your eyes. Your brain's in got to tell you what it is. Should I swing? Should I not? And the harder it's being thrown, the very less milliseconds or whatever they call it, you have to make that decision. And that's the thing. And if 88 versus 100 to 102, you just think your brain doesn't. So as much as we talk about, look how big he is, look how strong he is, look how that, it really is. What is your eyes and your brain, how fast they picking up and how fast they can tell you swing or not? I, I could not agree more. Actually, in the offseason last year, I was, tra- I was talking to a number of really smart folks saying we need to come up with some kind of number or some kind of measure of deception. Like we talked about Javier. We need to have like we can we can do this because we can say, hey, all these pitches are around the same profile but this guy doesn't get hit. What is it about him that makes him not get hit? And then go into the neuroscience of it, like when the hitter actually picks it up, see when they make the decision. You can do all this stuff. It's just now we're focused on the number. We're focused on what we can measure. And the problem with that is the things that you can't measure get overlooked when you do that. So people are just focusing on numbers. And if you can't put a number on deception, then it gets overlooked. All right. We, I, I, I have a brilliant idea. And I think you, this is going to be, I have the best idea for you today. 
We will do that in a minute. I just thought about this, and I think you're going to love it. You're going to go, those A's cast guys are brilliant, and it's it's for you. But uh, let's get to you come up with, obviously, the great nickname. Now you've come up with Kono. I thought that was funny. Um, where are you on that? Uh, Cody, Cody, well, Cody, do you think a no-hitter thrown by multiple pitches is a, multiple pitchers is a big deal? I do, yeah, especially okay. in the World Series. I don't. I think if one guy does it, it's cool. If multiple, if, if one, I think it's great. If multiple guy, multiple guys do it, I see it as a shutout, and it just happens they didn't give up a hit. <laughs> I get it. It's not. It's not nearly as legendary as a one pitch. Like everybody wants to be that guy. Now, if you're talking about it as a team sport, and they view like I know when the Mets threw one, it was a big deal. They were sitting there going like, "Hey, this is a team, you know, a team thing." I think the Astros took that as well. Like they feed off each other. The depth of their pitching staff was shown. You know, you can you can make it whatever you want it to be. I like giving it a name. I think if, if you put a name to it, like I said, if you put numbers to it, everybody likes it. If you put yes. a name to it, now you got something. That's why I came up with it um, in the preseason. And it happened to be that that it happened a couple of times this year, which was a good deal. Like I get to break out that name. Now we're selling T-shirts. I mean, right. you're giving people a reason to really enjoy. I I, I agree with you. A no hitter, but you say combined no hitter. That's like wah wah. Yeah. You say Kono, it's a Kono. Now we got. I think hey, baseball. You might have something going on. Baseball reference. Exactly. They should put that in there, shouldn't they? Like you participate in the Kono, like some kind of stat in there. Good idea. There you go. All right. I, I I just I came up with this because I wore one of your hats to so my kids are are cheerleaders and I was at the high school football game and I was wearing your hat and there's something about your logo that made multiple people ask me about the hat because they had no idea what it was they just thought it was a cool hat they're like what is that and so I explained to them who you are the pitching ninja so my idea is. Everybody right now, it's the time of year. It's early November. You're thinking, oh, I got to get somebody something for Christmas, right? And you do not want to wait. You do not want to have this take forever. But you want to always get something that's cool that people will be like, oh, that's awesome. So when I start thinking about all your merch and all the cool stuff, I'm looking at the hat you have on is awesome. Is that a certain team? No, I just I like the color combo, so I figured I'd go with it. Look at the shirt for A's fans. We, I'm good looking shirt. I'm telling you, if you know somebody who is a baseball fan or somebody who's a hat head guy or likes cool T-shirts, your merchandise is perfect for Christmas. Absolutely perfect. I I couldn't agree more with that. Like that is see. I can't be that overexposed if guys are walking up to you saying, I don't know what that hat is. So I need to get out more, right? No, it's perfect because it's, <laughs> you're at that point to where you're about to be the total rock star, but this is the process getting you to the rock star. Like, think about if someone's a baseball fan, how cool would it be if you got this in your stocking? And this mug, as you've said, hey, you can put wine, you can put beer, you can put Gatorade, you can put coffee. It's perfect for all liquid. I think about the shirts. I think about the hats. I think we need to get you out there, get your website out there, get people ordering now so to make sure you get it 
in time for Christmas. I think pitching ninja gear, ultimate Christmas gift. Dude, I need you on my commercial. Like this is this is fantastic. But yeah, if you just go to pitchingninja.com, you can find all the greatest stuff. Um, but yeah, like I, I agree with you. I think those mugs are outstanding. I, I'm a big fan of them and I have some on the site. Um, you can fill that up with bourbon and be really real. We'd be lit. I mean, I'm just saying. I'm not saying. I'm right? just saying, but I mean, coffee. I mean, it's, I mean, I, right now I got blue Gatorade in here. So, uh, <laughs> I'm telling you pitching Ninja gear for Christmas. Everybody will love it because what you did with the logo and what you're now becoming, I think it's just, I think everybody would love it. Cause I know when I wear the pitching Ninja hat, I always get comments on it. Well, I am absolutely tweeting this out the second I get a hand on this because Everybody needs to see this. Like you are the best spokesman for pitching and just stuff. I just wear it. Like I just, I don't know. I'm just not, I, I, I need to create like a commercial. You are the commercial for me. This is fantastic. I told you this was going to be the best thing for you today. <laughs> You're right. I thought it was like some kind of stat or something. No. This is way better than that. See, people don't understand A's cast. We do a lot of bit. We, you know, we have to talk a lot of business. We're trying to get it. We got to talk politics. We got to talk business. We're trying to get a new ballpark. You just can't sit here and bore the masses on, hey, you realize that the slider for Verlander, the slug this postseason. I mean, at some point, people drown that out. You got to – what what affects people? Well, I know people always are looking to buy for Christmas. They're always looking for something unique and cool. You know who's unique and cool? You, my friend. Wow. That is like the best compliment. I'm going to play this for my wife, too, because she doesn't that really is, That so. won't work. I, I hate to tell you that <laughs> won't work. People tell me I'm cool all the time, and my wife goes, I'm not buying it. Yeah, exactly. I just, uh, I, I show her my baseball card. I got a baseball card. Like how sick was that? I had like a little tops baseball card that they made um, for me. And I thought that was going to give me cool points, but no, nah, it didn't work with it. Now, you know, yeah, what about a bobblehead? Ooh, I would love a bobblehead. You know That'd what you do? You, t- you take the, the head of the bobblehead is the, is the baseball with the ninja mask. And oh, have, absolutely. And have a body. Yeah. I t- well, we know somebody makes bobbleheads. Maybe that can we, I don't know how long, how long it, he told us how long it takes. How long does it take? Um, well, no, I forget. Cause we got some, the it other would day. just be generic mold. We're not doing a special yeah. body. He's just got to make the head and boom, we can mass produce. I'm, it. Sure, I'm sure we can find out. We know. Who, I know the guy we can yeah. ask, you know, what? we can do a joint A's cast one, do an A's colored one with a ninja head on it. And, uh, I'll split it. Uh, are you coming out to the winter meetings in San Diego? You know, I've debated about it. I don't know. Like, I am trying to get I, – I do a lot every day, and I'm trying to get some breathing room between me and baseball for a little bit. Yeah. But I might do that. San Diego's great. Well, we'll take you to dinner. We'll have it. We're going to be there. We'll have our set there. And that's December 5th, 6th, and 7th. Correct. You, you, you show up, I'm going to sell some merch. <laughs> I'll sell you some merch. I might just send you some and you'll just be hawking it out there. Like you're way hey, better than I'm I telling you right now. I could be putting up ninja stuff all over our studio that people are going to see. I mean, Hey, I'll take, I'll help you we out. Need this banner back here too. Right. I'll help. It's cool, man. It's I mean, that's, <laughs> we need to make baseball cool. Absolutely. Well, that is the biggest thing. And I totally agree with you. Um, we need to do something to keep the sport alive and keep fans interested and bring in new fans. And I think, this type of stuff does that. Like instead of the boring, like people in wah, 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 you hear about, 
I think people get tired of analytics sometimes because they just get numbers thrown at them and everybody hates math or a lot of people hate math. Thank I you. think something fun is, is cool. And maybe talking about some of the softer stuff like deception that you were talking about, like that stuff that maybe if I'm on the couch, I can sit there and go, Oh, I get it. Like there's a little deception here as opposed to getting, you know, hearing 3047 RPMs. What does that mean? What does that mean? What am I at a car race? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah. I'm with you. I can do both though. Like I I like to go in and out of both and I, I, I love the numbers, but I don't think you can live and die by them. All I'm going to say is let me help you. (laughs) You already have. This has been fantastic. Like I'm going to put, I should probably put this on the site too, so that everybody sees when they visit. That Chris is just hawking my stuff. That's what it's all about, my friend. Enjoy the rest of the World Series. We'll talk to you soon. (laughs) Thanks, dude. It's been great. The Pitching Ninja right here on A's Cast Live. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. His gear is great. I'm telling you, if you've got a baseball fan out there, would make, no question, a great Christmas gift. Sarah Langs from MLB.com. You know we've been having Sarah on for years, as she is now battling ALS, but her game is as sharp as ever. Sarah is a very special person in our game, and we are lucky to get her right after the World Series. Sarah, I, I, I see Clayton Kershaw to me. His resume... He's a statue guy. He's an all-time great with the Dodgers. I get that. The other 29 teams, Clayton Kershaw is a 35-year-old left-hander who doesn't stay healthy throughout the season. So we were just talking about him, uh, and we're kind of going through the top 20 free agents. I know you've kind of – because that's where we are, Sarah. It's off-season yeah. time. Uh, are you excited? How, how do you get excited for the off-season? Well, I get excited for spring training. I get excited for the next opening day. I mean, the offseason is certainly fun, all the player movement, everything you're talking about, but I miss games. So I get excited about more games. But, you know, to the question of Kershaw, I mean, I do think he could be a real positive for that Rangers team. I just heard the tail end of what you and Cody were saying before I came on. I do think he had some intangibles for that team that does need a leader, especially on the pitching staff. But also, yes, he's a 35-year-old lefty who gets hurt. But he was so good this year when he was healthy. And, you know, I was talking about him the other day, and I went back and looked at that reference page, looked at the StatCast page, 
he has been really good. So even if you get maybe 20 starts of that, that would be incredible for a team that really did need pitching this year, as you guys saw firsthand. Obviously, what you do as a researcher is second to none. Uh, And I think about the Houston Astros. There's always going to be a stain. It's just, it's inevitable. Same thing happened with the Patriots. The same thing's going to happen with the Astros. But it's hard to deny their greatness when you start looking at, you know, six straight years in the ALCS, now two World Series titles. When you research them and you look at them historically, how do you view the Astros? I mean, just an incredible run. I think that aside from obviously everything you are referring to with 2017, I think they're an incredible testament to player development. And I think that that is true no matter what happened with sign stealing or anything else. I mean, I go back to the Sports Illustrated cover predicting in 2014 that they were going to win in 17. And yes, we know what went on. We also know there is a ton of talent that was on that 2017 team. And regardless of how you feel about everything else, the talent is there. And then we saw that player development again on display this October. Carlos Correa, an all-star shortstop, walks for them. And who do they get but calling up Jeremy Pena, who was his protege, who wins the ALCS MVP and the World Series MVP, the second rookie to win both those awards in one postseason, the first guy to do it as a position player. Felt like he was at the heart of every play at a certain point. If it wasn't Jordan Alvarez hitting a monster home run, it was Jeremy Pena doing something. And so for me, it's that. And guys like Kyle Tucker, I mean, I know you guys with the A's are obviously very familiar with all of these players on the Astros. And we know that, I mean, the Bregmans, the Altuvis, of course, they're outstanding. But a guy like Kyle Tucker, who I think finally started to get that national respect this year, that's another example to me of just the player development that they have had over the span of time. So when I look at it, certainly having the two titles, Yes, we know what went on with one of them. But more than that, it's the way they've been able to just churn out player after player, the way they've developed this pitching staff, everyone else. I mean, this is a team that lost Garrett Cole. You can go up and down that roster. George Springer is gone. We talked about Graham being gone, and none of those positions were positions of weakness because they had someone else. Do you view them as a dynasty? I, I'm i not great at arguing about dynasties because my feeling is if the fans feel like it and the players feel like that, then sure, I have no reason to tell them, oh, you're not. I do think they're certainly an American League dynasty. I do think that when we look back that we see the fact that the ALCS ran through Houston for six straight years. That's undeniable. I know one year was technically in the bubble, but still counts. And I think that that is certainly a type of dynasty. I think when I think of World Series dynasties, I think of teams winning three in a row. 
winning back-to-back years. But I do think that they have a dynastic element to them and certainly the power over the American League. The fact that we will look back and look at how we predicted how the American League might shake out. And every spring, we were talking about the Astros. Yeah, you know, it's so funny, you know, watching the World Series, I kept having in my mind going, I can't forget that the Phillies were the third place team, that it was about the Mets, who obviously you're so close to being there in New York, the Atlanta Braves, and then the Phillies. Now the Phillies are here in the World Series, they're representing the National League, but at some point we're going to get out of the postseason, we'll be back into our little world here of the hot stove league and the Phillies are third, still the third best team in the national league East. I, you know, now that it's over, like, how do you feel about that? Like, how do you, do you think this, this is a Phillies team that all of a sudden I'm thinking, man, they're going to take this experience and be hell on wheels for next year. Oh yeah. We're going to get back to reality and they're still not really better than the Braves or the Mets. I think they showed what their best case scenario is. This is a team that was 21 and 29. They were tied for the fourth worst record through 50 games for any team to win a pennant. So we know they got off to a tough start and that kind of had them playing from behind. But I think we see what a best case Nick Castellanos is. Bryce Harper, we know was an MVP. At this point, he has cemented himself as reliable. We saw the impact of the DH in the National League with him. We saw best-case Alec Bohm. We saw Bryson Stott really start to find himself. And we know how good Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler are. And we saw Ranger Suarez really come into his own as well. So I think this becomes a team that has even more of an argument now in the free agent in the free agent market just to say hey this is what we can do when we go on a run in october don't you want to be part of this and i know i just mentioned stott and i know that he really did you know make some leaps throughout the year but i would imagine that this team with dave dombrowski will be in all of those conversations about all of the shortstops who we've basically been talking about for two years straight now. And whether it's a Trey Turner, Carlos Gray, Dansby Swanson, Indivision, whatever it might be, I could very likely see them having a guy like that. And if they have someone like that, maybe that is what puts them over the top in the future. I mean, I think they should, that they can absolutely hang with the Mets and the Braves as currently constructed. And if they had all started off sort of on the same foot, I think it would have been closer for the division anyway. Like LeBron James, who still has people that don't like him. Bryce Harper, same deal. High school on the cover of Sports Illustrated. So there's always going to be the haters out there. But how much did this postseason run and his performance, do you think, changed his detractors? I mean, it's very hard to be a detractor of him at this point. I don't know why anyone would be, but again, I'm positive about these players and just love this game so much. I know not everyone sees it the way I do, but he got his chance. 
he finally got his chance with the team that was built to be succeeding in October. He was in the playoffs with the Nationals, but that was a team that had not ever advanced as the Nationals when he was on the team. They had never won a playoff series. He finally gets in a different situation. He's finally in the playoffs, and I felt like that home run he hit when they clinched the NLCS, that was his moment. That was the moment he was billed for, bottom of the eighth, trailing and yet he's coming to the plate and everyone knows he's going to a film run he's going to do it and lo and behold he did so regardless of whether some people thought he had been overhyped at some point i think he has actually gone from maybe overhyped if you think that to now underhyped and sort of underappreciated but i think regardless of what you felt of him Seeing him take that moment by the horns, that's what you want to see any player be able to do. So I, I just think it was an amazing sort of coming out party for a guy who we've known about since he was 16, who's already won two MVP awards. And again, so grateful, just as a baseball fan, for the DH in the National League that we ought to see this at all. He couldn't play the field. He was unable to do so. We would not have gotten any of these great moments if not for that role change. And I know I'm preaching the choir with an AL, uh, AL, um, you know, uh, AL person like you. But, you know, yeah. I, I still want to say that. Well, speaking and staying in your National League, you National Leaguers, you senior circuit, you, um, in your hometown, you know, this is the entertainment business, and the best entertainment right now is coming out of the bullpen. Timmy Trumpet for the Mets and uh, a record deal. Edwin Diaz, how do you feel about that? I mean, first of all, I love seeing a player show that, you know, dedication to the team. And that's nothing against guys who go out and see what they have on the open market. But, you know, we don't see that many guys sign during this exclusive negotiating window these days. So when that came down yesterday, it was almost like, a, oh, yeah, the Mets get to talk to him first. Like, you'd almost forgotten. But, I mean, having grown up a Mets fan, obviously now I don't root, but bullpen has always been a very, uh, very important part of this Mets team. And he has really been the first closer they could rely on in that way in a very long time. And as you said, it's the entertainment. He was really, really good. He was also something to be seen. They brought in Timmy Trumpet. They turn out the lights. They have foam trumpets. I mean, it's all part of the experience. So it's certainly very important for the team moving forward. I was on a show on SNY with Broadcast the Mets a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about what should be their first off-season priority. And I said, yes, and in the beers it was since they got that done first. Obviously, that gives them time and budget, you know, understanding to look ahead to bigger things, maybe an outfielder who plays in the same city or previously did. But regardless, it's a great deal. And 
you know, I know people look at, oh, it's a record amount of money, the years, anything else. I think we often lose track of how much inflation happens with these deals. I mean, a couple of years ago, World of Chapman, Mark Lansing, Kenley Jansen, we're all getting record-breaking deals. These records get broken every year. So I don't think that it's an overpay. And if you get three outstanding years out of him, that is already exactly what they need. Yeah, you know, the bottom line, sir, is this. They don't give that money unless they have it. Yes. And they have it. Uncle Steve's got a lot. We call him Uncle Steve, right? (laughs) Sounds right. Sounds right. Obviously. Steve Cohen's got it. I think think they're going to be okay. Definitely. And I think, you know, the whole conversation is Aaron Judge, right? Feels like that's the conversation in the Bay Area where you guys are with the Giants. I saw a quote from uh, Pete Patilla, the new GM of the Giants, about how he was walking into Phil's coffee and someone pulled him aside and said, hey, are we getting Judge? Yeah. And I thought that was the funniest thing, but you know, I know a lot of Mets fans around here who are also hoping that Aaron Judge is in a Mets uniform. And, of course, there's also the fact that he was on the Yankees. The Yankees are the team that tends to sign guys like this. So we'll see what Uncle Steve has in store, but it's an interesting offseason to be sure. That's the thing, and let's end on this. That's the thing that I've always said. Like, anybody can pop off outside of New York and be like, oh, we're going to spend more money. But you just, you, you know, in the end, are you telling me you don't want a monument, monument park with, with, with Ruth and Garrig and Jeter and Reggie and all these guys? Or do you think nobody's got more money than Uncle Steve in the New York Mets? I If he doesn't sign with the Yankees, I, I don't know how New York, I mean, because that would – wouldn't that be the biggest stick it to the Yankees for the Mets, which they love to do, is to take Aaron Judge from the, from them? I mean, I cannot think of a time when the Mets and Yankees truly competed for the same free agent. I know that I was talking to Buster only about this during the season. You know, we've all kind of seen this coming. The fact that the Mets offense Clearly, this season needed another slugger. And the fact that Judge was headed toward free agency, did not take an extension, was going to be out on the open market. And if you look at the big free agents that have signed with either team over the last you know, 10, 15 years, they were never really both looking at the same guy. The mess weren't in the Garrett Cole market. The Yankees weren't in the Pedro Martinez market back in the day. There was kind of reporting with Carlos Beltran when the Mets got him, but it was kind of last minute that the Yankees stepped in. So we haven't seen how this goes. And then you add in the fact that this isn't any Mets team potentially competing with the Yankees for a free agent, but it's a Mets team with Steve Cohen, with his pockets, that has already shown they're willing to go out and spend like that. It's going to be fascinating. I mean, personally, I I love it for the city. I love it for the water cooler talk. The idea that people are going to be talking baseball, hopefully, 
in January at work. I know the Jets and Giants are better than expected, but you know what? People are going to be talking baseball in the winter because of this in New York, and I love that. Well, I'll tell you what. Ever since your diagnosis, the 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 pouring in of the love for you in Major League Baseball uh, has been unbelievable, and it just shows in our community how much you're loved, how much you're appreciated. You know how much you mean to us here on a on A's Cast and A's Cast Live. You have always made our show such a better show, a smarter show. And really, you're the backbone of Cody's research because Cody's not good at research. So all he does is contact you to get the research. So without you, I don't know where Cody would be. Uh, we love you to death. And I can't tell you what 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 you mean to the show. You mean everything. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I mean, I said last time I chatted with you guys, but I've been overwhelmed. None of this has sunken in. And now it's the off season. I'm like, oh boy, I have to get back to all of these incredible people who have reached out. And I've been so overwhelmed reading the messages that I haven't replied. So I am going to get back to you if you're listening and you hear this. But I mean, thank you guys. And Cody, you know, I'm always glad to help with the research. So it's all good. We'll talk to you soon, Sarah. Thank you. Have a good one. The great Sarah Langs right here on Ace Cast Live. Yes, she was diagnosed with ALS. And, you know, I, I, I know I don't want to, I mean, at this point for her, as she has said publicly, that she wants to talk baseball and continue to do her job. And I think that's the number one thing for us is to continue to bring her on and let her do her job. You know, at some point you're going to hear, you know, all the well wishes and everything, but you want to do your job. And so that's why, you know, Cody, I know for us, I want to, you know, I want to still bring her on. She's an incredible researcher. I don't know if there's a better one in the game. And there's a reason why she's on MLB Network and she's on Buster Olney's podcast. I mean, that just shows you the quality of her work. She goes on the biggest shows that we have in our industry. And the fact that she takes the time to come on our little show is a big deal. So, um, yeah, it's what we want to keep continuing to do. And, and as long as she can do it. And... Baseball, I think, is going to keep her going for a long time. So, and I know how Cody, how much she means to you. Yeah, it's. I always think of Sarah whenever, especially after the World Series. Uh, Sarah's like one of the first uh, individuals I think of about coming on because of not only the research, but just the baseball fandom in her about about just talking about the game. Like we could talk about the game as much as we want, and we have Hall of Fame stuff we can get into later. Like that, we, oh. that no one enjoys more than we do. But when it comes to Talking about the game and the World Series and looking up numbers, Sarah's the absolute best. And there's only even close. Uh, yes, that's a shot fired at you, Hembo. Um, no one's better than Sarah, and I'm, I'm glad we can bring her on and let her have some joy because you know she, we know she's going through a tough time, but um, she means a lot to us, and she always has and always will, and we'll bring her on as much as she wants to come on and and talk with us. She'll be she's always going to be welcome uh, for as long as she wants to come on and talk. 
We'd like to thank Bobby Evans, the pitching ninja Rob Friedman, and of course, the very special Sarah Langs for all stopping by A's Cast Live. Now, back to A's Cast, powered by iHeartRadio. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.